All right, I think we'll go ahead and get started. There's been a, a little change in plans for Discipleship Hour. We had just started that, the new series, Finishing Well. Um, Craig got sick this past week, unable to be here this morning. So since it's uh, December and it's the first Sunday in Advent, I thought we could spend some time looking at um, kind of the, the quintessential Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And, um, you know, Probably more than any other hymn, this one signals the beginning of the, the Advent season. And so um, I, I know most of you are very familiar with it. It's a beautiful piece of music, um, very haunting tune. It, it's um, quite a bit different in um, tone than something like Jingle Bells, you know, which is much more um, upbeat, um, uh Emmanuel has a, a much more somber, reflective uh, feel to it. And then the lyrics uh, themselves are just full of longing, full of anticipation and, and hope. And so um, what I want to do today uh, with you, and, and I did a bit of this last year, um, I want to explore the, the background of the hymn with you because it's a very rich background and I think it'll help us appreciate uh, the, the hymn a bit better. We're going to sing it together at the end of the class. So um, Kevin and Darcy and Piper are going to come up at the end of the class and, and lead us. And we're going to sing it after we've, we've thought about the hymn for a while. And then you'll be prepared because we're going to sing it in the service as well. So you'll, be, you'll have a leg up on everyone else. Your, your vocal cords will be warm and ready and, and prepared. Um, let, me pray, let me pray for us. Uh, as we start here. Father in heaven, we thank you that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, has come. We thank you that at this time of year and really at, at every point in our lives as, as Christians, we can look back to Jesus' first coming and know that you are a faithful God. You keep your promises. And I pray that as we reflect on this hymn today that, that points us not only to Jesus' first coming, but his future second coming, that you would stir our hope, deepen our appreciation of this hymn, that, that we could sing it as our own. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And really to understand this hymn and its background, you have to um, understand the season of Advent. So the, the two, the hymn and the season, are, are closely um, connected. Um, just a, a few, briefly, just a few things about Advent. Um, if you're not familiar with it, because many of us are not, uh, Advent is a four-week period before Christmas. So it, it begins on um, the fourth Sunday before Christmas, and it ends every year. On, on December 24th, uh, Christmas Eve. And um, the, the four Sundays this year of Advent are d just uh, four Sundays, four first Sundays in December, December 3rd, 10th, 17th, 24th. Depending on the year, sometimes it begins at the end of November. Um, Advent is, is something that's observed by Christians from many, many different backgrounds, um, Protestant, Roman Catholic, um, Orthodox, although every denomination and group has different ways of, of practicing Advent, observing Advent. Um, one thing that I think is interesting is in the Western church, at the first Sunday of Advent is, is the New Year. 
it, it marks in the in the church calendar. It's the it's the first Sunday of the year. So, happy New Year to you all. I don't you you didn't know that it was uh, already a, a new year, but the term Advent comes from a Latin word Adventus, meaning simply um, come or coming or arrival. Um, in in the Roman world, when a Roman dignitary um, or emperor visited a city, it was it was called his his advent. He 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 arrived. He came to the to the city. And advent um, is is a time to, um, in in one sense, prepare to celebrate Jesus' first advent, his first coming, his birth at Bethlehem. But but also more than that. And I'm going to repeat some of this in the sermon today, so just fair warning, you'll be like, I heard this already, but I'm going to repeat some of this. Um, It's also a time to reflect on and anticipate Jesus' second coming. And um, so you have this dual focus in Advent um, that... uh, that really is rooted, I'll just give you a little history lesson real quick. It's, it's rooted in the history of how Advent developed. So in, in um, the roots of Advent go back to at least the 4th century, perhaps even earlier. And in Western Europe, um, Advent uh, developed in connection with, with um, a, a baptismal festival, January 6th, Epiphany. It, was, it marked the final phase of a, a three-year program of preparing candidates for baptism. So you know, I don't think any of us spent three years preparing to get baptized, but that's the way they did things back then. And, and Advent was that final roughly 40-day period of preparation leading up to the, the baptismal festival. And, and so in, in that context, Advent was a time to focus on Jesus' second coming. We as Christians live in, in light of that future coming, and, and these baptismal candidates were, were preparing to um, commit themselves to following Jesus. In Rome, on the other hand, Advent developed as a way to prepare to celebrate the, the birth of Christ at, at Christmas. And so over time, you have these two streams merge, where now in, in modern um, contemporary celebrations of Advent, it has that dual focus, both looking back to Jesus' first coming, but then also looking ahead to his second coming. And um, uh, Malcolm Geit, who's a, a Christian author, poet, uh, said that Advent, in a sense, is a microcosm of the Christian life. Now, I've had this in my file, this quote in my files for a long time, and as I went back to look at it this week, I couldn't actually find, I didn't cite it, and I, and I can't find where he said this. So if he didn't say this, he should have said it. And if he, if he didn't say it, he said things like this. But what he means is, we, we stand, we live as Christians between the two comings of Christ. So we can look back and say confidently, the Lord has come. God has fulfilled his ancient promises. And yet that the fact that he has come reminds us that he is coming again. And we look forward to that, that day. And so um, we say longingly, um, come Lord Jesus. And so this is really where we live all the time as Christians, the, the already not yet tension. The Lord has already come, but he has not yet brought in the fullness of his kingdom. And so, um, O come, O come, Emmanuel, the, the hymn really embodies that, that reality of where we are, where we live as Christians. Um, 
living confidently in light of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, but living longingly and expectantly for him to come again. So let me give you some of the history of the, the hymn. Um, it's, an, it's an ancient Latin hymn. The, the metrical form of the hymn was composed as early as the 12th century, but the lyrics for the hymn actually go back um, a, a number of centuries before that. Um, to at least the 8th or um, ninth century. And, and the lyrics come from seven um, Latin plain song chants, um, antiphons, if you, if you know the term. An antiphon is just a, a brief prayer that's said or sung um, in, during a worship service. And, and the hymn we sing today is basically a paraphrase of these, these ancient Latin songs, and we're going to look at them in a moment. So when, when we sing um, Emmanuel, when we sing the hymn, we are joining our voices with Christians who have been singing this, these words for centuries, um, expressing their, their longing for Christ's coming um, through this hymn. Uh, a little more background on the hymn. Uh, It was translated into English by this man, John Mason Neal, an English clergyman. Uh, He translated it in the 19th century, first appeared in in one of his hymnals uh, titled Medieval Hymns and Sequences. Um, Later, in 1854, the hymn, the English version of the hymn, appeared with the tune that we use today, Veni Emmanuel. Veni is the Latin for come, come Emmanuel. Um, the the tune the origin of the tune is obscure. We don't, we don't know exactly. We can't pinpoint exactly where it came from. But many um, scholars of the hymn think that it originated in a 13th to 15th century funeral procession. So that that can explain some of the the you know minor key feel of of the hymn. Um, couple of notes about the the version in our hymnals. Um, You know, different versions of the hymn can be found. So if you go Google online, you might find some with with more stanzas, less stanzas. You might find versions of the hymn where the stanzas are arranged um, a bit differently. The version in our hymnal is is quite quite common. Five stanzas. um, So it doesn't have... um, a stanza for all seven of the the ancient Latin um, songs, but for the majority of them. Um, what I want to do to help us, you know, just appreciate uh, the hymn a bit more, is look at these these ancient Latin songs. They're very short. Um, the the O antiphons. They're they're called the O antiphons or the great antiphons um, because they begin with this invocation. Oh, they, they, each of them um, starts like that. Um, they are prayers to and about Jesus. So they, they're calling on um, Christ. And, and these, these songs, they originated in um, medieval European monasteries, so way back um, this is a, a close-up of a document from roughly 990, between 990 and 1000 AD from a monastery in Switzerland. And you can see, even if you don't know Latin, you can see very clearly over on the left-hand side the big O's. 
And uh, th- this is a, a, something a, a monk wrote way back in the day, um, uh, some music for, for the hymn or for these songs. Um, these, these songs were traditionally sung um, between December 17th and December 23rd. So one on each of those seven days leading up to um, Christmas Eve. And they, they each have Latin titles. Let me, let me show them to you. Um, so, O Sapientia, meaning wisdom, O wisdom, O Adonai. Anybody know Adonai? That's actually not a Latin word. Um, Lord, Lord, it's the Hebrew word for Lord. So, O wisdom, O Lord, O Radix, Jesse, Radix, Jesse. Anybody know? Root, root, if you're a mathematician, maybe, maybe you pick up on that. O root of Jesse, O Clavis, David. Anybody want to guess what? What'd you say, Kevin? Key, yes. So key of of David. Um, o Orians. Where's our Latin scholars? Means um, uh, day spring or morning star. Um, o Rex Gentium. O King of the nations. And then finally, O Emmanuel, God with us. Now. Um, there's, there's a hidden message embedded in the titles. Um, at, and I'm not making this up, okay? The, it really is there, I'll show you. Um, medieval monks, contrary to what we might think, they like to have fun. And um, they uh, put a lot of thought into how arranging these, these songs. So um, each letter, if you take each letter, uh, first letter, of each title, and you get Sarkor. And if you reverse that and then split it into two words, you get a Latin phrase, arrow crass. Anybody know what that means? Last year, Michelle tried her hand at, at Latin, and she got really close. Arrow crass is a Latin phrase meaning I will come tomorrow. And remember um, what I said that uh, they sung each of these on a, one of these each day leading up to Christmas Eve. And so the, the final um, O Emmanuel would be sung on December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve, the day before official Christmas celebrations would start taking place. And so you have kind of this message if you've been singing them. Um, in, in a sense, the monks are, are you know, um, putting words in Jesus' mouth. So I will come tomorrow. And so a lot of thought went into um, these songs and how they're arranged. And um, uh, Malcolm Geit, whom I mentioned earlier, he said, in each of these antiphons, we have been calling on Christ to come to us. Now standing on the brink of Christmas Eve, looking back at the message form from the titles, we would see the answer to our pleas, tomorrow I will come. And so um, they're, they're really rich, um, brief prayers or songs. And, uh, we'll take a few moments to, to look at them. Um, I want to take a few moments to look at them with you. The first, O Sapientia, meaning wisdom. And so um, here it goes. O wisdom coming forth from the mouth of the Most High, reaching from one end to the other mightily, and sweetly ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. So 
each of these songs has the same form. They, they begin with an O invocation, hence the name O antiphons. In this case, O wisdom. And, and they, they begin with the invocation and then this title for Christ. And, and each of the titles is drawn from um, an Old Testament prophecy or allusion about the coming Messiah. And, and so they begin with the invocation, the title, and then the next lines elaborate on the significance of the title and, and the, the explanatory lines, they, they point, they show how Christ as wisdom or as Lord or, and so forth um, is the answer to our deepest needs and longings as, as human beings, as Christians. And then they, each one concludes with this um, uh, great Advent verb, come. Come. In Latin it was veni. Uh, come, and in this case, teach us the way of prudence. So they're, they're real, um, quite simple, but very beautiful. And let's, let's look a little more at this one. O oh, wisdom. Um, so this title, Wisdom, comes from a number of uh, Old Testament passages, probably most notably Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, um, very famous uh, messianic prophecy uh, about um, God promises that a, a shoot would sprout up from the stump of Jesse. In other words, this this stump represents the the broken down line of David. You know, Isaiah's speaking long after the time of David in a situation where the the monarchy has collapsed and you know the Babylonians are are oppressing and threatening to invade and God makes this promise that that this the line of David isn't completely um done. There's going to be a new new uh king sprouting from from Jesse from David's line and he says in the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and so you have Isaiah in chapter 11 and multiple places speaks of the coming Messiah as one who is filled with God's spirit the spirit of wisdom and then you have places like Proverbs 8, that, that personify wisdom and speak of wisdom as um, God's artisan in, in forming and fashioning um, the universe. And then interestingly, you know, you've got some of that Old Testament background. And then um, Paul in 1 Corinthians, in the New Testament, Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 refers to Christ as our wisdom and our righteousness, and our sanctification. And so this, this first antiphon, o, o sapientia, O wisdom, it is calling on Christ as the, the eternal Son, the, the wisdom of the Father, the one through whom all things were created. And um, um, come and teach us the way of, of prudence, of wisdom, and then the next, um, O Adonai. So um, Adonai being uh, the, the Hebrew word for Lord. So O Lord. Um, Adonai in, in the Hebrew Bible 
Um, everywhere the, the proper name for, for God uh, appeared, Yahweh, the, the scribes would replace that with the Hebrew word Adonai out of respect for the name of God. They didn't want to um, pronounce it. They, they considered it too holy. And so whenever um, you know, they would come across God's proper name in, in Scripture, they would replace it with, with Adonai. Um, and Lord is the most frequent title that, that Paul attributes to Jesus in the New Testament. And so you have the New Testament authors see Jesus as the divine Lord who appeared in this case, as this um, song is, is bringing out, O Adonai, O Lord, and leader of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the fire of the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai, come and redeem us with an outstretched arm. So this song links Jesus to the same God, appropriately so, who rescued Israel from Egypt, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, who um, gave the law on Sinai, which is really interesting. um, This song pointing out that Jesus is both lawgiver, you know, he gave the law at Sinai, but as the New Testament makes clear also, he's the fulfillment of all the law um, spoke of and pointed to. And, um, you know, this one might sound like, well, that's not not like great news. You know, Sinai was a terrifying place. And yet the, the final line, the, the request, come and redeem us with an outstretched arm. The, the God who descended upon Mount Sinai and gave Israel his law is the God who, who rescued his people from, this, from slavery in Egypt. And so, um, you know, in Isaiah 33:22, we, we read, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, and he will save us. And so there's good news here that, that Jesus is our Lord, our mighty king, who rescues and redeems his people with a, a mighty arm. Um, next one. O, o Radix Jesse, or, or Root of Jesse, standing as a sign among the peoples. Before you, kings will shut their mouths. To you, the nations will make their prayer. Come and deliver us and delay no longer. Um, Jesse, as, as I mentioned earlier, the father of, of Israel's greatest king, King David. And um, this title uh, comes, I, I quoted earlier from Isaiah 11, um, comes from Isaiah 11, 1 and 10. Um, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And then in verse 10, In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people's signal or sign, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And so um, you can see this is almost taken verbatim from, from Isaiah 11. And this song is, is celebrating the fact that, that Jesus is the great king that, that God promised to his people, the descendant of David who um, is worshipped by all peoples, not just 
not just Israel, but uh, one who stands as a sign among the peoples. That, that's not meaning just a crowd. That means all nations, all, all peoples. To you, the nations will make their prayer. Um, next one, O oh, Clavis David, or Key, Key of David. O Key of David and Scepter of the House of Israel, you open and no one can shut. You shut and no one can open. And then again, this request, come and lead the prisoners from the prison house, those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. Um, Does anybody know where that phrase, key of David, comes from? It's like Bible trivia time. Maybe Stephanie's going to do trivia with the kids, you know, before the service. Maybe this should be it. Uh, It comes from Isaiah 22.22. God speaking through Isaiah to Israel says, and I will place on his shoulder, the the coming Messiah, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. Now, this is Isaiah, but you you might be thinking, but I've heard this somewhere else before. Where, Where else do you hear this language in the Bible? Yeah, Mark, Mark said, uh, Revelation, Jesus in, in Revelation 3, in one of his seven letters to the churches, he uses that language about himself. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Um, what does the, the imagery and the language of, of key, what, what does that symbolize? What does it signify, the key of David? It, it's about ruling authority. And so to, to see Christ as the key of David is to acknowledge that he is the true and rightful king. And a, a king of um, uh, unchallengeable uh, authority and power. Well, it can be challenged, but not successfully. Um, the idea that he opens and no one can shut, or he shuts and, and no one um, can open, is that he alone um, has the power and the authority to do as he wills. And whatever he purposes and plans, no one can um, stand in his way. Well, what um, it, what's interesting about this one uh, or this song, is the, the final request, come and lead the prisoners from the prison house, those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. And so you have this you know, calling on Christ as this exalted Lord, all-powerful sovereign, but asking him to use his power and his authority to deliver people, not, not to crush, but to open the door to the jailhouse and set the prisoners free. Now, um, you know, this language, uh, those who dwell in darkness, where where have you heard that kind of language? Isaiah, right? I mean, there's a reason most of these come from Isaiah. Isaiah is um, the, the prophet of Advent, um, he, he's the one who, you know, the book of Isaiah has been called the fifth gospel, 
In other words, that um, without the book, Old Testament book of Isaiah, none of the New Testament really even makes any sense because Isaiah spoke so um, at length and clearly about the coming Messiah. But um, what door? So this is calling on Christ to open a door to set the prisoners free. What, what door does Jesus alone open for his people. Well, the the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the, the verse in the hymn that, that paraphrases this, I think, shows us. It says, O come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Jesus opens wide the door to heaven, the, the kingdom of of God, um, eternal life and, and resurrection, uh, victory over over death. He, he delivers those who are dogged by the the shadow of death all their life. So, um, key of David. Next one, um, O Orient, um, or Morning Star. Um, some sometimes you'll see it uh, translated as Day Spring. Um, I can't remember what it is in, in our hymn. Uh, it's Dayspring in our hymn. Um, now this is an interesting one. Remember I said each or one of these was sung each day leading up to um, uh, Christmas Eve. This one would be sung on December 21st. Now depending on the year, December 21st is the... Um, the shortest day of the year, right? The winter solstice. And, um, you know, a time where, at least in the northern hemisphere, um, you know, there's not a lot of daylight. It's a dark uh, day. And, it, and this song calls on Christ as the morning star. Uh, the morning star, um, because Oriens, that word was used to refer to the, the rising of the sun at dawn. Uh, dawn is the time when when day springs forth, hence the the title day spring. Um, it's also the time when when a, a bright star uh, becomes visible over the eastern horizon, the the sun. Um, in other words, it's the the morning star. And so, uh, this title is not just it, not just from the fact that 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 Latin word was used for the sun, but um, Isaiah 9, again, Isaiah um, 9, uh, two, 1 and 2. I'll just read verse 2 for you. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Uh, one of Isaiah's famous um, prophecies about the coming of Christ, that, that Christ comes as the great light, the the bright morning star who shines the light of, of the truth, the light of God's gospel into the darkness of, of sin and death. Um, also, Malachi uh, 4.2, uh, just this wonderful statement in Malachi, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves, from the stall. There's a there's a wonderful old hymn um, based on this verse, and uh, it was redone a few years ago by a, a, a band called uh, the Welcome Wagon. If you ever get a chance, look it up and listen to it. It's, it's wonderful. Um, they they have kind of a fun um, 
take on it. But Jesus is the, the son of righteousness, the, the one who comes with healing in his wings to um, deliver those who sit in, in darkness and the shadow of death. Um, interestingly, Jesus refers to himself this way as the, the bright morning star in, in Revelation 22 um, 16. So you have this, this beautiful poetic picture of Christ as the, the, the great light rising in the east, giving light to the world. And um, you know, it, it ends with that call to come and enlighten those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death. So just like, um, which one was it? Um, Oki of David also uses this language of darkness and the shadow of death. Um, so you can see, uh, at least traditionally, the Advent season is not just about everything being merry and bright, right? It, it kind of dwells on the fact that the world is engulfed in darkness. The world before Christ came, the first time now the light has come, but uh, much of the world is, is still in darkness. So the second to last antiphon, O Rex Gentium, O King of the Nations, and their desire, the cornerstone, making both one, come and save the human race which you fashioned from clay. Um, there's a, I, I won't go to all the different passages, but you know, these, this language of King of the Nations um, echoes Isaiah 2, Isaiah. Nine, which both speak about the Messiah's worldwide um, rule, worldwide kingdom. Um, the cornerstone language. Um, anybody know where that comes from? Just guess. It's okay if you're wrong. So there's, there, so there's the psalm. What is that? Psalm 118. It talks about the stone that the builders rejected. Um, Isaiah 28:16 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Um, and then Paul picks up that, that language, right? Ephesians 2, Christ, you know, the, the church. I guess Darcy, I just saw her and Piper do a thump. Uh, fist bump. I guess she, you should have said it. Um, Paul picks up on that language that, that the church is God's temple. Christ is the cornerstone. The, the apostles and prophets are the foundation. And, and Christ brings together the, the peoples of the world. It, it, you know, in Ephesians 2, Paul's talking about uh, Jew and Gentile, now one in Christ, one family, one, one temple. And so, here, um, O King of the Nations, their desire, the cornerstone making both one, come, <clears throat> come and save the human race, um, which you fashioned from clay. And then the final um, antiphon. Um, o Emmanuel, our King and Lawgiver, the hope of the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. Um, Maybe you'll you'll be willing to answer this one. Where does the the Emmanuel 
title come from? Yeah, yeah. So Isaiah 7.14, you know, perhaps one of the um, most famous prophecies about Christ. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So Emmanuel with an E is, a, is the Latinized version of the name. Emmanuel with an I, I think, is the uh, a Greek um, transliteration. But Emmanuel means God with us, right? Uh, and as Mark pointed out, um, Matthew quotes this verse about the birth of Christ, that Jesus is God with us, the, the promised Messiah and Savior born to the virgin. virgin. Um, and this final song, let me, get, let me go back to... The hope of the nations and their Savior. And then you can just see again the longing. Remember I said Advent's a time of, of longing, of anticipation. It's come and save us, O Lord our God. Um, well, what should you do with these, these ancient uh, prayers and, and songs? Um, we're going to sing it in a moment, at least a paraphrase of, of these um, songs. But I, w- I would say, you know, they're, they're very rich in theology. They're very rich in devotional application. At the very least, you can find them online. At the very least, read them. Um, I would even encourage you, maybe you follow this traditional pattern beginning on December 17th. Just pray, recite and pray one of these um, and you know, let them stir your imagination and, and your hope as you reflect on Jesus' first coming, but even more so as, as you begin to see we're, we're still waiting for Emmanuel, right? He has come, but he's promised to come again, and, and these songs um, are, are just pressing on us, our need. We, we want, we need, we long for Emmanuel to come and, and save us, to finish um, the work he started. We, we long for him to break into our lives in, in fresh ways. So that's a little bit um, of background to the hymn. Um, I've got the lyrics to the hymn printed on the, the back of your handouts. Um, and we're going to sing the, the hymn um, that has at least um, five of, of these prayers, paraphrases five of these prayers or songs. And um, our hymn adds the refrain, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Israel, we say when we sing it. Um, it adds this, this statement of assurance. That as we, we express these longings, we, we pray these prayers, there's this assurance he, he will come. And, and we can say in one sense the Lord has come, but as we look forward um, to his second coming, this, this hymn assures us he will come. Um, a God with us, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, will, will come and set things right. So I'm going to have the musicians come and um, lead us in singing. I guess we might be able to see some of them behind the TV, but um, let's, uh, 
Let's sing. If if you can stand, if you're able to stand, we'll sing together. And the the lyrics are printed on page four. I forgot to look up what it is in the hymnal. Do you know, Kevin? 104, if you want to use. 194. Yeah, they're all in the 190s, the Christmas hymns. 194, if you want to follow along there.
You can be seated. Including thoughts. Um, I, I think this one is my favorite Advent hymn. Um, it's kind of right up there with uh, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I, I think we're going to sing Come Thou Long Expected Jesus next Sunday. Uh, this Sunday, today in our, in our worship service, we'll sing O Come, Emmanuel. Um, I've tried to convince Craig to have us sing this at other times of the year, but so far he hasn't, um, he hasn't uh, bought my line of reasoning. Uh, anyone else think we ought to sing this song at more times than just Advent? I, I agree. Maybe, maybe I can get you all to pressure Craig to be like, come on, let's, let's do it. Um, but it's such a rich hymn um, and really uh, just captures, you know, in, in one sense we're putting ourselves in the shoes of ancient Israel waiting for the coming of the Messiah. But, but in, a, in a very real sense, this is our posture. This is our plea as Christians. Come, Emmanuel, <laughs> close the path to misery. You know, usher in that, that new heavens and new earth full of, of goodness and life and, and beauty and righteousness. Um, I think we should sing this every week um, this December. We're probably not going to, but um, I, I hope this lesson has been a little helpful in, in just kind of giving you some appreciation for um, the background of the hymn and, and the thought that went into, you know, even the, um, the ancient Latin um, song, songs, chants that it's, it's based on. So... Um, that's it for this morning. We're, we're going to break now. Um, there's snacks um, outside, and then um, we're going to sing this. In a, probably, it'll be like 30 minutes from now. We're, we're going to sing this. Um, let, let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, um, we pray that you would send Emmanuel. Um, we pray even that as we as we long and wait for Jesus' second coming, that you would give us uh, fresh courage, fresh hope, uh, fresh confidence that you are for us and that Emmanuel will indeed come to us and it will be a day of great rejoicing. We pray in his name. Amen.